Lori Houston's News for the Heart is dedicated to helping you give a voice to your own soul. Our hearts have the power to free us from pain and the struggles that keep us from awakening to our true essence. Join Lori now as we delve into our heart and soul to find the path that will open us to the possibilities and lead us to the life we love to live. Hey, good afternoon. This is News for the Heart. And I have to say, I haven't been so excited about an interview in a really long time, but I have been introduced now. Okay, so let's go back like two weeks. I was getting right. It's like, yeah, you know, it's Easter. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I thought about a book that I'd read, you know, several years ago, Anna, Grandmother of Jesus. I thought, you know, that's a really lovely book. And I thought, wait a minute, I have this great book that's supposed to be you know, that I'm doing an interview on. So why don't I read that? So it is the Earth Earth Angels uh, Academy. And um, my, my, I, I can't say enough about this book. I can't say enough about how it inspired me and opened me up. And so since then, Michelle Gordon and I have been chatting relentlessly on, you know, connecting and doing, doing this interview. And I am just I am thrilled to have you on the show, Michelle. So thank you. Thank you for coming. Well, thank you for inviting me. It's great. <laughs> now you have done, well, you've done 10 books that I know of, six in the Earth Angel Academy um, series and four in the Visionary. Is that what you called it? Yeah, the Visionary Collection. Right. So I've now read all of them. <laughs> wow, you've been busy this weekend. <laughs> Well, I read once I once I read your first book, which is what we're going to chat about. And we're also going mm-hmm. to talk about the fact that you're actually going to be coming to North America, which is great. I don't know if you've noticed, but she does have an accent. She is from across the pond and uh, she will be joining us, which is very exciting. Um, and part of it is because you actually are bringing out a fifth ed- or the fifth year edition of the Earth Angel Academy. Yeah, so it's it's five years since um, first publishing the Earth Angel Training Academy, and yeah, I'm just excited to have a and got a new cover for it, and um, have just you know added a few things inside, and it's yeah, it's just to celebrate the fact that it's been five years and it's been a pretty crazy journey, <laughs> <laughs> and um, in that time, yes, yeah, so published another five books in that series, and. Um, there's lots more to come in that series as Yay. well, so we're excited about that. Well, we're excited about that because <laughs> I can't get enough of it. I, um, I really, I, you know, I tried to. Fig- I mean, I reread the first book yesterday, just because. Wow. Well, I mean, it really wasn't necessary because I really didn't forget that much. But, you know, I found I found the visionary. You know, some of them were lovely. I found some of it being sensitive I found some of it really hard to read <laughs> right yeah you know like yeah, it was I've like had comments before yeah some yeah. of it is very much more human <laughs> they're very very human and you yes. know and I get it I mean because and that's one of the themes we're going to talk about we're going to talk about themes because I don't really want to give away the story the story is beautiful you want to read it yourself um this is a sort of fictionary <laughs> <laughs> fictionary I like it <laughs> Yeah, it's um, it's well, it's visionary fiction, so it's spiritual fiction, um, but it is based on you know spiritual and metaphysical concepts. And 
a lot of my own experiences and, and concepts as well. So yeah. most people who read it and love it are just like, this is not fiction. That's but right. Obviously, that's how I, how, how I write it and how I market it. So Right. Yes, because there'll be other people that, yes. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it, to, to most people, it'll be complete fantasy. Right. And that's also really cool because I, I love reading fantasy myself. So Yeah, me too. You know, it's I, I love a good story and... Um, I'm not expecting anyone to believe it, um, but it's great when people do resonate with it and get more from it than just a, a story. Yeah. So one of the themes that you talk about, obviously, in both books or in both series is death. And and I mm-hmm. get that, you know, we are to see death as, you know, it's just, well, actually, I have a lovely quote if I can pick that up and <laughs> find it. Um, but, you know, you... <sighs> You kind of, you know, like I said, the visionary ones were just a tad um, darker just because of some of the things that happened in it. I found it kind mm-hmm. of hard to 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 read. But um, when it comes to, let me see if I can pull up this quote quickly. Of course, I can't find it now that I'm looking for it. Um, but I think, you know... Um, Amethyst talks about death. Death is the discovery of pure love and the realization that you may just be one drop in the ocean, but you are a very beautiful drop. We have this, obviously, we have this fear around death. And you're probably one of the only series of books or only people that I've met that have made me rethink the whole thing about suicide. <laughs> Not because I want to, but um, but we have this thing about suicide being, you know, a very bad thing that it, it karmically affects your, um, your spiritual evolution and awakening. And, you know, there's a fair bit of it in your books. And, and yeah, there's the darker bits in the visionary series that was just Uh too, yeah, too, semi-sensitive but you know it's it's like helping people helping people understand that there truly is no death it's not we're just transitioning we're just moving from one to the other and once we get to that side it seems like such a beautiful experience to to deny people so but we've all had those really really challenging times like a few years ago like I had some very difficult times so I probably wasn't ready for these books then but I know that, you know, it, I know for me, you know, suicide has never been an option because it's like, no, you know, we have so much to do. We have so much that we have to do. Like, it's just not seeming to be an option, but a lot of spiritual people or a lot of spiritual teachings will, you know, you'll go to a very dark place if you commit suicide. So I do like your take on it. Well, it's interesting, obviously, hearing from somebody who's read the books in a very short space of time, because obviously you're probably seeing a lot of the patterns and themes and threads that, you know, over the last five years, it's kind of been spread out. So um, I wouldn't sort of look at it in the same way, which is quite interesting. Well, those weren't my biggest ones, but that was just one that I thought of when I was thinking of the visionary. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I suppose one of the reasons why death is such a huge theme in my writing and was very much so in the poetry and short stories I used to write um, before I started writing the novels um, is because for a long, long time, I was terrified of it. 
I would have panic attacks about the idea of not existing anymore. It wasn't so much the dying part. It was just not existing. And I'd be lying if I didn't say that every now and then it would, you know, occur to me and think, oh my gosh, what happens when I don't exist? And I suppose writing the stories about life after death, about spirits, about what happens when you die, where you go, I suppose doing that was a way of kind of understanding it and exploring it in my own way for myself, for my own healing. Um, And also with the concept of the Earth Angels, obviously, you know, they're beings from all different planets and realms, and they know that this is not their home. You know, Earth is not where they, they come from. And when they leave Earth, they'll they'll go home to where they came from or they'll go on to somewhere else. And that knowing, that feeling of wanting to go home is, is quite strong in a lot of them. So really, yeah, death is just a way of, of going home. Yeah. And I suppose, yeah, for myself, it was just like I wanted to explore all those ideas of, you know, what really does happen. And, and again, I suppose the idea of, of suicide, you know, I have... I've known many people who have committed suicide. Um, and in fact, you talk about the uh, the visionary collection. One of those books is about a friend who committed suicide. Oh. Um, I don't go into any details, particularly on his actual death in it. but And I don't know how sort of um, into the spiritual we can go on this one. I'm, I'm sure we can go fairly woo. But um, yes. basically, that book was co-written with his spirit. Oh, lovely. And... He has been with me since about three months after he passed. Ah. And he's the one that makes me write. And in fact, when I don't write, he then goes and haunts my editor. <laughs> Lovely. And uh, she passes on the message and uh, it freaks out her husband when she's calling out this other guy's name in her sleep. But anyway, uh, it's a whole other story. Right. But um, but yeah, so I suppose exploring all of that was really my own way of of figuring out how to be okay with the idea of death and you know having seen it you know many times you know I've you know I've sat with people who've been dying in various jobs that I've had I've you know I've lost people that I've been close to and you know and and again I've I've got a lot of friends who are psychics and mediums who can see spirits and speak to them and so yeah the concept of death and in fact, on in the online classes that I've been doing based on the Academy, one of them is about death, um, Death 101, which is based on, uh, you know, in the book, you know, all the characters are learning about death and what humans think about it. And it's actually one of my favorite classes. <laughs> because I love exploring the idea. I love, I suppose, like you said, I, I like to make it seem less scary because it's not scary. It's just that as humans... We can't imagine existing in any other way or any other form than what we do now. So yeah. we think it's the end. We think that's it. And it's really not. <laughs> you know, I've had far too many experiences now to, to believe that this is it and this is the only, this is all we are and that after this is over, that's it. Right. Okay, so let's talk about Earth Angels because that obviously is a big piece of you know, what you're here to remind us of. I mean, it's, you know, I was, I was trying to figure out, you know, if I was in the book, I don't think I'm in the book, but even, I mean, as I said, I read, <laughs> read a book, the book again yesterday, and I would get so, like I, the tears would still stream down, even reading it, you know, the second time. And it was always either around, 
well, the Twin Flame stuff and mm-hmm. around the Children of the Golden Age. And I don't know, like, there's, it's almost like, you know, I know I'm an old soul. I know I've been around for blah, so many times. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I don't know. I think part of me, maybe, maybe I was one of the really early um, Indigo kids because I've had so many bit different people tell me different things. I'm certainly not one of the original or the, I mean, one of the um, ones that are coming now of the children of the golden age. But I'm mm-hmm. wondering, you know, maybe if that was the case, because I really seem to get affected a lot, although they, well, they do have twin flames too. They're not from mm-hmm. the... Uh, the indigo part but yeah so maybe who knows um i don't know exactly i i did think maybe is it the one the one the one that was orange i i don't know if you see my website but i love orange um <laughs> i don't know if she's come back to you in any life if you met her yet oh, it, that was uh, a possibility She's the uh, professor of manifestation. I think so. Is that right? Well, yeah. see, that makes me think that, you know, so, since I have such issues around law of attraction, only, <laughs> <laughs> only the law of attraction that is taught by the secret, which seems to be all greed based and all, um, you know, all about things outside of ourselves instead of what it is, which is, you know, like attracts like it's who we are that we attract. I mean, it's. It's the essence you know, of kind of missed out the feelings part, you know, you how know? we feel and, things <laughs> and you know, that's what we're attracting, not necessarily what we write down or what we think. Yeah. So I just don't yeah. think that it's, you know, how to get the biggest house or um the fastest car or you know, I think they just missed out on it. Some things that yeah. just weren't quite because then everybody feels like a failure. All right. So let's talk about the Earth Angels. Um, yeah, so the, the concept of the Earth Angels is that, you know, beings from other galaxies and dimensions and realms, so got angels and star people and fairies and mer people, and they all basically come to Earth um, to incarnate into human bodies to help with the spiritual awakening. And the idea behind the books um, came from me thinking, well, you couldn't really just put a fairy or a star person into a human body and expect them to know what to do because things are quite different in the human dimension, in the, the 3D that we live in. Mm-hmm. And so I, I thought, well, they must have gone somewhere for some training. They must have had some help before they got here. And that's where the Earth Angel Training Academy came from. And also born of the the idea that I'd always wanted my own academy. <laughs> right, so, right. Um, I was just thinking, oh, it'd be so awesome to, you know, to have my own academy and to teach different things. And I was thinking, well, yeah, it's basically an academy on the other side that's teaching magical beings how to become human, (laughs) how to become, you know, normal, I suppose, in some ways. Um, And it's not that they don't still get a clean slate when they're born, because they do. But having had some of that training, they've got more chance of actually awakening and and actually, I think one of the most important parts is that because they've all been to this academy and they've interacted with one another at the academy, when you get here, you're more likely to recognize each other. Right. You're more likely to know, you know, that you've met before and you'll have these connections and you'll help each other to wake up. So I've so far met, well, so many characters from the first book now that it's it's getting quite funny, actually. I'm... I'm probably going to put together that list of uh, all the characters that I know in real life. <laughs> I think that would be awesome. <laughs> yeah, it would yeah, it would be so funny because obviously there have been so many of them and and 
yeah, sometimes it, well, it still blows me away when I meet one and I'm just like, oh my goodness, you are actually that character. How is, how is that possible? That's crazy. But yeah, somehow it's possible. Yeah. And you know, I get it. Like I love, I love the part that you talk about. I mean, so many of us, you know, we don't feel like we fit in, you know, as children, we thought we were very strange or everybody else thought we were very strange. We didn't think we were strange, but everybody else thought we were very strange. So we didn't fit in. You know, we, we kind of questioned ourselves. You know, I, I was, I've always been an empath, but at a very, very early age, I learned to shut it down because people were just so angry Mm -hmm. that I would know how people were feeling. I'm just like, well, but I mean, so I just, somehow and you know what people ask me now well how, how do you do it I was like I don't know I did it when I was like four <laughs> so that people wouldn't get mad at me I don't know mm-hmm. <laughs> so you know it's it's funny because we you know we have all this we have this love and this potential and we we know we're here to do something but we get so confused so I love the idea I love the idea of people just reading the books so that they can remember so that they can say mm-hmm. yeah that's that's me like that's that's how I feel and you get that recognition like as an old soul like I don't tear up very often but reading these books boy it just it really brought stuff home like I really felt you know I really I've always kind of believed in the magic and I talk about it a lot at Christmas because I think that time of the year people sort of are a little bit closer because they remember, you know, that magic that, that everybody sort of believed in when they were children. Um, so I always talk about that at Christmas, but I mean, it's there all the time and it's so beautiful. It's just that we, we forget and we don't want to, we don't, it's like we become so immune to the beauty around us when we get caught up in the fear of the third dimension mm-hmm. um definitely i mean there is a, a part in the book where they talk about fear um one of velvet's talking to the second years about it and yeah. you know she's saying a little bit of fear is good because you know it can make us cautious and and keep us alive <laughs> yes but when we have so much fear in us that we don't actually do anything because we're too afraid of, of what's going to happen um, or too afraid of taking risks, then, yeah, it stops us from being able to see the magic in things and to enjoy, you know, being here. I mean, as, as, as we know from the, the fairies, you know, the reason that they've come here is to make sure everybody has a bit of fun <laughs> because they don't really understand what, you know, what's the point of being here if we can't have a bit of fun. And, and it is so easy to get sucked into the the sort of tiny details of everyday life right and forget that actually there's a bigger reason and purpose to all of this and and all the tiny details you know can just take up your time and take you away from you know from your purpose from the reason that you've come here yeah and what it's all about really and yeah I think it's I think a lot of people are kind of waking up and realizing, hang on a minute, there's got to be more to it than this. There's got to be more to it than just going to work and watching TV and, you know, sleeping, eating, (laughs) going out and drinking or whatever. Yeah. You know, there's got to be a little bit more to it than this. And in some ways, that's why I wrote the books in a fictional way, because a lot of people find them as stories and then start reading you know, more about the ideas and the subjects and the concepts and start thinking, hang on a minute, maybe there is something more to it all than, than this. Right. So, 
And and that's what I I truly believe is part of why you wrote it. If not to remind the earth angels that they're earth angels, it's certainly to remind people that there is magic out there. And it, this isn't not, this part of it isn't fantasy. This part of it is real. I mean, it, it truly is real, whether you, you know, you want to connect with it or not. And I do love the fact that you brought up, you know, as women, you know, a lot of us connect in with the, you know, the burning times, you know, so we are afraid of our own power. We're afraid to step into it um, much more than men are, although there are far more women that are open to being awakened, um, although that is changing. But, you know, there are a lot of women that are still afraid, and that was brought up in the second years, you know, that they're afraid to 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 make the changes. They're afraid to be different because of it's kind of in the collective unconscious uh, what have, what's happened to women who've stood in their power, who have, you know, been the, you know, the inspiration and we were burned. We were, you know, all sorts of things happened to us. Yeah. I think, you know, having powerful women is, yeah, it's kind of a scary concept really. I mean, you know, in the first book, um, it wasn't until after I'd written it actually that I realized that all the main characters and all the ones with, in power were female mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean obviously you know you've got the, the guys in there as well but all the main characters of that book were were females and obviously velvet is the head of the, of the academy and um and all the sort of other characters coming through had very strong ideas and and pictures and things of how they wanted to do things and i think it is kind of a scary concept to stand in that power and and you know stand your ground and speak your truth yeah. And especially for angels, you know, incarnated angels who who don't want to hurt anybody. <laughs> um, I think you have more outspoken fairies because, you know, quite honestly, they just want to say what they feel and they don't really, uh, not that they don't care if it hurts anybody, but they just, they just want to be honest. They just want to be who they are and they want to do what they came here to do. So they're, they're far more outspoken. Yeah. Um, the old souls tend to be a little bit more reserved, I suppose. Um, and I, in some ways it's quite interesting with the whole um idea of there's a lot more women who are open to spirituality but when you look at the people who are well known in the spiritual world there's there's a lot of there's a lot more men <laughs> you know it's like when i think of sort of well known mediums and psychics and you know the ones that are most well known or are out there more are, tend to be male interesting. which uh, which is quite interesting um but i mean i i do have quite a lot of male readers I know that my my general readership are mostly female, but I do have a lot of male readers as well, and that's part of the reason why the uh, the other side came about as well. Um, that book was was kind of an interesting one to try and write because it started off it was going to be a prequel to the Earth Angel Training Academy, and it was going to be mainly about the Golden Age children, right? Um, which was my idea. <laughs> of course, I start writing it, and that's completely not what actually came out, and. <laughs> Um, basically I had all the male characters lined up going, well, are you going to tell my story yet? <laughs> so it ended up being the other side, which was basically the same, same story as the, the Academy, but told from the point of view of all the male characters. Um, and also the children of the golden age, but more so the male characters than anybody else. Right. So, it, you know, I got to sort of tell their side of the story. And I think, I think the balance of the masculine and the feminine is, is really important theme at the moment because standing in our own power as women doesn't mean that we need to become more masculine 
in you know we, it means we need to become more feminine Absolutely. but in our power and i think there has been some confusion and, and women have becoming more masculine so then the men are like well what are we supposed to do <laughs> and they're kind of losing their roles in in some ways because we're kind of taking over that and i don't think that was really the point of what we were supposed to be doing i think it was more to just bring in the balance between the masculine and the feminine and honor each other for our strengths and our weaknesses and not try to become everything. Exactly. And, and that's, I mean, it's such a pivotal point because, you know, when, you know, the whole women's movement came in the sixties, I mean, it was very masculine. I mean, it was so masculine. It, it just, I mean, so many women couldn't relate to it because it was way too masculine Mm -hmm. and it, you know, there was so much competition and, and, and a lot of women that are in the highest positions, I mean, they feel they have to be, you know, a more masculine energy to compete. And it's just sad because we really do have to embrace who we are. We need to embrace that feminine quality. And of course, in both sexes, there are a combination and there are lots of, not lots, but I, they say it's like 20% of women will have a more masculine energy and 20% of men will have a more feminine energy. And that doesn't have anything to do with their sexuality. It just has to do with their energy. But it's, you know, we have to find that place where we feel so comfortable. So yeah, it's it's a big, important thing that um, I hope will come out more in your books because it, it is important. I loved, um, okay. So let's go back to your themes because <laughs> I, we could get lost in your, in your yeah. books forever. Um, let's go back to the, so the children, so the earth angels are here to assist people. And, you know, you do have some great quotes and I know that, you know, it's so there it's out there a lot about, you know, the whole butterfly wings, but you know, it, it's there to make a point. Like, one person can make a huge difference. Like if you're mm-hmm. being authentic and your true essence, I mean, just by smiling at someone, it can change their whole world. Like we have no idea how powerful one person can be, but imagine if we all united, like imagine if all the earth angels woke up and we together, you know, could make, a, I mean, the, it could be exponential. I mean, it's just, this is what, you're here to do is to remind us of who we are. Yeah, I love I love playing with the idea of, you know, just one tiny thing can change so much. You know, it can save somebody's life. It can, you know, even just make somebody's day or yeah, and I think that's there has been a, a big movement recently with the the random acts of kindness. Yeah. You know, there's been so much where people are just doing random things just to cheer people up or to make people happy or and I, I do kind of um, explore that a little bit in the later books in the Earth Angel series, um, where a couple of the characters decide to go out and do random acts of kindness. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> and it's just, you just never know what people are actually going through. You know, when you walk down the street and you walk past somebody and you smile at them, you might be the only person they've smiled, like, had smiled at them, like, all day or all week. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even when you just take the time to speak to somebody, you... I mean, I remember working, I've had lots of different jobs, but I remember working on a on, um, switchboard once and some of the people calling up, I would be trying to direct them to the right department and they would just want to chat. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, my, you know, the, all the lights would be lit up, all the calls that I'm supposed to be taking and they're just chattering away. And I'm thinking, but what if I'm the only person they've actually had a conversation with? 
this week. You know, it's you just don't know um, what kind of contact people have had with other people. And I think that's that's just so, so important. And, you know, I think a lot of Earth Angels can feel a little bit overwhelmed as well at the idea that they've come here to make a difference. They've come here to change the world, to fix the world, whatever they, you know, the way they want to see it. And that's a really overwhelming thing for one person. So to think that every tiny little thing that you do is creating ripples that does actually change the world. It's a lot easier to be able to do things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just a lovely way of looking at it. And I think, you know, more people just need to realize it. Like a lot of people think, you know, they give up because they think, well, I can't change anything anyway. And, and in some Mm -hmm. ways, you know, we're not here to change other people or other things. We're just, we're just here to be ourselves. We're here to, you know, to create the essence of who we are and let that shine. It's not about, you know, changing other people. It's, it's just be who you are and that will change other people. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's, it's being the, you know, the most amazing you that you can possibly be and following, you know, your own purpose and mission and, just shining I suppose sort of shining your own light so that you know other people are inspired by it and you know you you will then find that you tend to attract people I'm saying about the law of attraction you know the more that you're yourself and you're being authentic you tend to then attract people who are on the same wavelength as you you're on the same vibration and it then just creates an even bigger ripple yeah (laughs) (laughs) like So, okay. So that's our earth angels. Let's talk about children of the golden age when I don't, it gave me goosebumps. It, it, you know, I teared up. I mean, I've known about the indigos for a long time. I've known about the crystals. Um, you know, the concept of the rainbow children has been out for a while. I mean, Mm -hmm. but when reading it and, you know, understanding what that was saying, I don't know. It just, it was magical. Yeah. The, the new, generations of uh, of children the golden age children is yeah it's something when I started writing the books I was trying to make some sense of, out of some of the experiences that I'd had with these children right. um in real life and you know they're very much oh, they're so in tune they're telepathic they're you know they're just they are just a whole new level really and it's it's really interesting to see it in such young kids. I mean, I've had conversations with kids who are just like, and I, I've even just said to them a couple of times, like, you you just know, don't you? Mm. <laughs> you just get it. And nobody else seems to give you credit for that. And they're just like, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I've, you know, I've had instances with kids just like, I'm standing at a bus stop and I think something and this little girl turns around and looks at me and it's just like, she says with it, like with her eyes, she's just like, yeah, I know. And I'm just like, oh, did I say that out loud? Did I? <laughs> and it's not, it's just that they are, they're telepathic. And, right. and so, yeah, some of the experiences that um, Violet has in, in the awakening in the, in the, in the second book in the series mm. were based on what was happening to me at the time. Nice. Um, or just before, because I was, I was trying to make sense of it. And it made total sense that I was having these experiences because I'd said to the children, you know, previously, if if I'm not awake, <laughs> wake me up, do something to remind me. And uh, and these experiences were all part of that. So, yeah, the, the Golden Age children, there's the indigos, the crystals and the rainbows. And they've come from completely different galaxies to us. They've, um, you know, they've come from places of 
pure light and love and wisdom and they all you know they, they each have different roles so the indigos are the way changes they're the ones shaking things up they're the ones refusing to let the systems and things remain as they are and their energy is a very very high vibrational energy so you know they just they can think and do things at a speed that most of us, you know, just feel dizzy. Um, the crystals, yeah, some of the, the stuff about the crystals that came through as I was writing, it was quite interesting because the, the crystals are are literally crystals. <laughs> you know, they, they, the energy is that of the crystals from the earth. So um, they have a much slower energy, but it's so, it's so knowledgeable and so wise and, they just take everything in and they kind of consider everything and they're quite telepathic. So a lot of the time when they're younger, they don't feel the need to speak, you know, so they're, they're sort of seen as being a bit slow or not quite there. And, and that's not the case at all. They are just, they are so switched on, but they don't feel the need to, to be at a fast pace. Um, and then the, the rainbows are just, they are just pure light you know they are just pure beings of light and they don't have any baggage or karma or anything they are purely here to raise the vibration of the earth as a whole and and to bring their wisdom with them yeah i honestly believe that a lot of the um because autism is becoming so big right now Mm -hmm. um like bigger than ever before i think a lot of the autistic kids are part of the um, children of the golden age that just, they're just, because they have no filters, they just kind of have to shut down a bit (laughs) so that they can actually be here on earth. So um, definitely, uh, I mean, and with the indigos, you're probably looking at ADHD and ADD (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) because they, you know, it seems like they can't hold their attention to anything for very long, but actually it's just because their, their mind is working so much faster. and they usually have something that they're exceptionally amazing at and same with autism and and Asperger's and you know they just they have their specialties they have the thing that they can do like nobody else Um, and I suppose the human way that we've been used to is that people have to be all round good at everything (laughs) Um, you know in school and in work and in our lives you know we have to be able to do everything we all have to be completely independent and to be able to do it all and I think what the the golden age children are actually showing us and reminding us is that actually we're meant to be all in it together as a collective as a whole as communities and so playing to our strengths and doing the things that we're actually the best at makes much more sense than trying to do everything um and you know not doing everything very well (laughs) but just kind of getting by and existing so yeah they're really they really have come to to completely change the way we do things and you know the things are changing very slowly um but I I keep seeing more and more um amazing stories where people are realizing that they can't keep putting them on drugs they can't keep trying to dampen them um and slow them down but if they find the thing that they're really good at then they don't need medication right right okay let's talk about the biggest theme of all of your books well (laughs) at least all of this series touches in a little bit of the other but the twin flame so honestly 
I I have met a soul a soulmate or someone from my soul group in this life and I know how difficult that was when he wasn't ready and was kept making the same decisions that he'd made in previous lives and it was like you know it was frustrating and it was you know difficult but at the same time I had people say well you know he's not the one and I'm like you know what I don't believe in the one I don't I don't connect at all with that. I don't believe that we were one soul and then we were divided and then we, you know, we've looked for that, you know, other half forever because that kind of is the definition of what a twin flame is. But when you talk about twin flame, you bring in a completely, I mean, because, you know, the indigos wouldn't have a twin flame with an indigo. They would have it with a different because indigos are all sort of one and really recognize that, you know, so it's like, you bring in a completely different aspect of twin flame than I've heard. And everything that I've read that you've talked about, I mean, it resonates so deeply with me. So now I'm, I have definitely started to second guess that whole concept. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The the twin flame concept is, it is an interesting one. I mean, when I first wrote the Earth Angel Training Academy and I, I, I published it five years ago, but I wrote it in 2009 so seven years ago, and I knew very little about the actual concept of twin flames other than my own experience and literally a couple of lines that I read in a book. <laughs> so everything that came through in the books was was channeled. It just right. came through like that. So, and I have read, you know, quite a bit of, you know, blogs and books and things since, but I still... Yeah, I still resonate more with what came through for me and what I've experienced than I have with a lot of things that I've read. And I suppose the one thing that I I object to the most that I've read is when people say, this is what a twin flame is. This is the only thing a twin flame is. Anything else is not a twin flame and it's got to be exactly like this. And I'm thinking, hang on a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody is going to have a different experience. Everybody is, you know... Every twin flame relationship is going to be different, you know, because people are different. You know, you can't put it into a sort of into a cookie cutter kind of mold and say, if it's anything other than this, it's not a twin flame relationship, because how can anybody know that? (laughs) You know, it's, it's all just it's a concept. It's a theory anyway. And so, yeah, the first thing when people I mean, people write to me and ask me to do them, you know, I do oracle readings and things and they're like, is he my twin flame? And it's kind of like when people ask me what kind of earth angel they are and they're like, am I a mermaid? (laughs) And I'm like, well, do you feel like a mermaid? (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, well, okay then. (laughs) You don't need me to tell you this. And I think it's, it's definitely got to be an inner journey and an inner quest. And I suppose my books are, are just a way of helping to remind people of, what it's all about but it's not like the definitive answer to it so so yeah with the the way that I I see twin flames is that I don't even believe that you only have one twin flame oh okay that (laughs) makes sense um but I do believe that out of I don't know say you had seven twin flames I'm just throwing a number out there but say you had seven the chances are there might only be one out of that seven or two out of that seven that would be the right age the right gender in the right space in the right geographical location. Um, so the chances are you might only meet one, maybe two or three of them, but there isn't just one of them. Okay. So when people do meet more than one, they get really confused. They're like, well, hang on a minute. I thought that was my twin flame, but this is my twin flame. <laughs> um, and, and also getting hung up on, on the label of it as well is not always, yeah. always a great thing because sometimes that can actually 
hinder the relationship, especially with, with twin flame relationships. I know there's um, well-known stages and I mean, I've posted them on my blog and I've kind of discussed them a little bit through the books. Um, the idea that the relationship goes through different stages and, so, you know, you go through meeting and awakening and then you go through like testing and crisis. Um, and then quite often a lot of twin flames end up in at the runner stage. So, you know, one pushes the other away or one runs. And again, not every relationship is going to go through the same stages. It's not always going to look the same. But as a generalization, that's I suppose that's fairly close. And I think it's really looking at the underlying causes and reasons for these things so you know why does one feel the need to run mm-hmm. is it because they're not ready <laughs> is it because they're not in the right space energetically is it because they're just overwhelmed by the whole concept sometimes it is down down to their past life um reunions so sometimes there'll be something that happened in their past reunion that never got resolved and that will then show up in this life um yeah there's so many different reasons and and sometimes it's purely that they both have very strong missions they have both very strong reasons for being here and at the and that moment in time those two missions aren't aligned with each other you know one needs to go in one direction and the other needs to go in the other direction in order to to do to fulfill those missions and with twin flame relationships it's very very difficult to have compromise (laughs) so with you know within most relationships there'll be some compromise one will compromise what they want to do for the other or to stay in that space but with twin flames it's very difficult to have that compromise if you've both got very strong missions because you believe in each other so much that you wouldn't want to be the reason why they're not following their mission so you will actually be actively encouraging them to go and and fulfill their mission and i know that's that's where i've been at um with my flame is that he has a strong mission. I have a strong mission. We both believe in each other so much that we could never be the reason why we each didn't fulfill our missions here. Right. And if that means being apart, then that means being apart. But we've gotten to a space now where we can do that. Right. <laughs> and it's not the end of the world, <laughs> which I you know, have to admit, the first few times, you know, it, it did feel like the end of the world. And that goes back to the idea that most earth angels on earth feel like they want to go home. And one of the overriding feelings that you have when you're with your twin flame is that you you feel like you've come home. So it's almost like having a home here on this planet that you don't belong on. (laughs) (laughs) If you lose that, you know, if you separate from your twin flame and you lose your home, as it were, then it can be devastating because that was what was anchoring you here. Right. Um, but one of the things that I've learned and that I've seen in other people is that no matter what you do, whether you're with your twin flame or not, you're, you're always connected, always, you know, sometimes in very bizarre ways, you'll end up, you know, having the same experiences at the same time and (laughs) all sorts of crazy things, but you are just always connected and you always have that unconditional love for each other. It just, it's never going to go away. But when you are in a place where you're not actually with them, it's so important to really focus on yourself, on why you're here, on your mission, and really go for it. Because the reunion, of, the reunion of the flames is is a big part of the spiritual awakening right now, but it's not the only part. You know, and and some people spend so much of their time wanting to be with their flame, looking for their flame, and then missing their flame if they split up when they finally found them. And 
it can kind of take over everything else and it's not the only reason that we're here it's part of it definitely but it's not the only reason that we're here right and part of it is that feeling of you know feeling of home but also that it is a very pure um experience of love it's it is unconditional it's it's kind of hard to describe because i mean i I don't have children right (laughs) but i imagine you know obviously you love your children unconditionally generally whatever they do you love them anyway (laughs) and that happens in a twin flame relationship it doesn't matter what either of you does or says you love them anyway and in some ways that does cause problems because obviously you'll kind of forgive anything. Right. <laughs> and sometimes you do have to come down to, you know, a more 3D level and, and set the boundaries and say, well, actually I deserve to be treated better than that. Or I deserve, you know, because things will come up and you'll trigger each other. You know, I mean, that's the thing with, with twin flames is that you're here to really help each other to remember and to awaken and to live your purpose. And to be able to do that, you need to clear out all of the old, baggage that you're carrying around from your previous existences so you know a twin flame can can trigger those things but then help you to to heal them as well because they'll make you aware of it right but if the two of you when you do come together the love that it shares with the world is kind of part of that message like that's why I guess why the twin flames are being reunited. Like it's, it's that there's so much love that it actually begins to affect everyone around them. Definitely. And it's, it's also kind of changing the way that we see relationships as well, because the twin flame relationships don't necessarily fit into a a typical relationship structure. You know, you're not necessarily going to meet them and get married and have kids and have a house. And you know what I mean? It's, it doesn't always follow that structure. It doesn't always and like I said, there can't be that compromise either. So it is kind of challenging the structure of relationships um, as it stands now, which I think is a good thing. Oh, because... so good. <laughs> so good. <laughs> because, you know, relationships, it, it's, it's got stuck into such a, a certain way of being and there's so much more to it than that. You know, you can you can be in a relationship with somebody but not being in the same physical space as them all the time, 24-7. Right. You can be in a relationship with somebody and not compromise on your, you know, on what you're here to do on your mission. Um, you can be in a relationship with somebody and not have to have kids and get married and have a house together. <laughs> you know, there's, there's just so many different ways um, that you can do things. And I think, especially with women now stepping into their, their power and stepping into why they're here, we need now more than ever to be able to be in relationships where both parties can, can go and fulfill their missions and not feel like they have to stay at home and, you know, be the homemaker or be the wife or, you know, whatever that entails. And it's not to say that you can't have a twin frame relationship like that because there are people who do it, but I think, yeah, it's, it's showing people that it's possible to be in that space of, of love and not have to give up everything else. Um, Well, I think the old dichotomy, see, this is, I mean, it's so important for you to write about your experiences with a twin flame because the old dichotomy, I mean, well, the whole world's whole dichotomy and everything has been that we do it out of fear. You know, mm -hmm. women, they don't, I can't tell you how many people say, well, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to leave. Well, have you communicated the problems? No, no, the, I, I can't do that. The, the, they won't like me. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> it's like we do everything out of fear instead of, 
you know, from the purest of our heart, like we, we, our whole definition of what love is, is skewed based on most people thinking that what they think love is, is actually really just fear. You know, they Mm -hmm. stay because they're afraid of being, you know, being alone. They stay, you know, in an abusive situation because that's how their parents were. And, you know, as a child, you know, you had to believe that un- that your parents loved you unconditionally. So if your parents abused you, well, that must mean it's love, right? So we have these mm-hmm. really, you know, misunderstood definitions of what love is. And we, you know, so bringing this energy in and discussing whether it's a twin flame or a soulmate or whatever it is, however we want to define it, what we do have to define is that we have to change relationships. We have Mm -hmm. to get out of that codependent, you know, fear-based belief of what we think relationships are. Definitely. And I think the biggest thing is that we've got to start with our relationship with ourselves. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Because that, I mean, that's one of the biggest, one of my biggest lessons in the last six months, I would say, (laughs) which doesn't sound like very long ago, but I, you know, I was going through some health things and I was creating the online classes, the Earth Angel classes at the time. I was doing them in person at the time. And Mm. I suddenly, not suddenly, but I sort of really came to the full realization that, you know what, I've got this one body for this particular life. And if I don't love it unconditionally, who the hell else is going to? You know, it's it's the only thing that's going to be with me for life. (laughs) And as much as the cells are going to be changing and renewing and all the rest of it, it is, you know, this is this is me and this is me for this lifetime. And no matter what it looks like, no matter what it feels like, you know, I've just got to love it unconditionally. And be in that space of, you know, gratitude for myself and for my body and for me. And so many people are so afraid of doing that because they don't want to seem like they're selfish or they're a narcissist, which is one of my, like, most hated words at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because, you know, none of those labels matter. What matters is that you can truly appreciate who you are what you look like, how you feel, all of it. And I think it's only when we really start understanding that and believing that and seeing that, that it then just, that is going to make a huge impact, not just, you know, our relationships with other people. Um, and I mean, that, I mean, that is part of it because I mean, I know so many people who don't see their own beauty. They do not see how amazing they are. And I do try and remind them and tell them as much as possible, but they really need to feel it from inside because I was the same, you know, people would tell me how amazing it was and I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Um, (laughs) But it's not until you really get it yourself and you really feel it. And from, I made a pact with myself from that point onwards that I would never speak ill of my body again, that I would never downplay how I looked or who I was or what I'd done to anybody else or to myself and I wouldn't brush off you know compliments or you know other people saying good things about me because I could accept it and you know that that took a lot of doing <laughs> because you know especially as a child and especially being you know back on this earth again I mean I'm, I'm an old soul as well so obviously had lots of, of lives and I remember as a child looking into the mirror and being like who the hell is that <laughs> 
because I didn't recognize myself. It wasn't, a, you know, I'm just like, what is going, what did they put me in this body for, you know? And I was really, really harsh on myself. I, I really just, I just couldn't get it. I, I, you know, I, I just didn't like what I saw and I couldn't even tell you why. Right. <laughs> I just know that it wasn't what I was used to. It wasn't what, um, what I'd expected or hoped for. I, I don't know, but I do know that the body that I'm in is perfect for the mission that I'm doing. It's perfect for, you know, even all the health issues or everything that I've been through is perfect because it's helped me to get to the point where I am. I can empathize with people in different situations. I can, you know, really feel where people are coming from. And it's, you know, it's allowed me to, to do everything that I've done and be where I am. And yeah, if ever everybody can, can get to that point where no matter what weight they are, no matter what they look like, no matter what space they're in, they can just love themselves first and foremost so that that just has a, a ripple effect outwards from there. Yeah, and that's being our authentic self, but it yeah. is a bit of a challenge sometimes for a lot of people, and a lot of people don't really know how to do that. So if you could... Um you know, include that in part of your, uh, in your writing that might, might benefit a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, it, like I said, it's really something that I've, you know, I've come to realize about myself. Yeah. Um, because, you know, we, I suppose it's just, I don't know if it's programming and conditioning, it's media, you know, it's people yeah. around us. It's, you know, even being bullied or teased as a child or whatever it is or like you said not getting the unconditional love you know from your family I mean I was you know fortunate to have that complete unconditional love from my mother and it was quite funny actually at times and this is something else that that um I came across uh, during my sort of the beginning of my spiritual path I suppose I came across um Richard Bach's um Messiah's Handbook uh -huh. um from Illusions and it's a, a little handbook full of quotes and there was one in there that just struck me and it resonated so deeply with me. And, and when I told it to other people, they were like, what? What are you on about? <laughs> um, and the quote was that unconditional love could sometimes be seen as indifference. Huh. And it resonated with me because I remember growing up thinking that, you know, oh, my mom just doesn't care what grades I get. Oh, she doesn't care that I did really well on that. She doesn't. And I realized it wasn't until so much later that I realized that it wasn't she didn't care. It was that no matter what, she loved me exactly the same. Right. It was unconditional. It didn't matter what I did. I could get a C, a D, an F, an A. Didn't make any difference in my grades. And it's because she loved me no, no matter what. <laughs> and, you know, I just didn't get that growing right. up. And I realized now just that, yeah, no matter what I did, she was just always there. And always, you know, still is to this day. It's just like, no matter what she is there and that it's it's a constant and that's made such a huge difference mm -hmm. and you know a lot of people and that's what I was saying about uh, the, with the twin flame relationships you know you do need to set some boundaries you know can't just do whatever you want and the other person will love you anyway <laughs> <laughs> because they will but obviously you know there's got to be the respect there as well and and you know the love for the other person on you know on the level of well you know if you love that person you wouldn't do that um but yeah, it's, it's having that complete unconditional love for yourself and then being able to extend that to other people. And I think as well, we need to, I've been having this conversation just recently about relationships and it's, we need to move into a space where 
we can feel that unconditional love for people that we don't necessarily need to have a relationship with, (laughs) Um, you know, because we can extend that love and that feeling of we're all in this together. We're all one without needing to have like anything more than that connection, that friendship. And I think on a more sort of human level, we think, oh, well, I've got a connection with that person, so I need to have a relationship with them. <laughs> yes. And I mean, I've made, well, I wouldn't say mistake, I wouldn't consider any of it a mistake, but I've had that feeling for a connection with somebody and I'm like, wow, this is the one, this is the person I'm supposed to be with. And and it wasn't, it was just that we had a connection because yeah. we knew each other from previous life and, you know, we had that connection and yes, it, we were meant to be in each other's lives and to teach each other what we needed to at the time, but it, it wasn't meant to be forever. Right. <laughs> Um, but I think people are feeling that more now than ever, especially earth angels who are finding each other and remembering each other from their previous existences or maybe from being at the academy. Um, and they're, they're having that really sort of deep connection with each other. I mean, I know, you know, my friend um, who I run the classes with, Andrew, I mean, we've known each other before. <laughs> you know, we, we recognize each other um, and we're just really good friends because of that. Right. So it's... Yeah, it's widening that circle and not, you know, and being able to be friends with with men and women and have that connection and be in that space, but in a different way on a different level. Totally. I I love it. Michelle, you are are a blessing. I hope that everybody reads your books. Um, We do want to talk about you coming. You're coming to Toronto to the Indigo Spirit First Canadian Place on Friday, May 20th. Yes. Yep. You were also doing an Awakening 101 and a Remembering 101 workshops plus book signing at New World Gifts in Buffalo on Thursday, May 26th. Yes. Yeah. Is there anything else that you, I mean, I would love to have you come back. I seriously, we could chat for hours about yeah, we probably could. <laughs> all of this stuff. Um, so I, people can reach you at your website, michellegordon.com. Oh no, it's dot co dot uk is that right yeah dot co dot uk yeah because it's the the british version of dot com yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) um i'll have all of that on my website and i'll probably get that up as quickly as i can and uh yeah it's been i'm honored to meet you i'm honored to help in any way i can and i absolutely adore you so thank you michelle Thank you so much. Yeah, they, there will be a, a tall website up and running soon as well, which people will be able to get through through my website. And that will have all the details of all the cities and the venues okay. and the events. Great. So that's, that's coming this week, hopefully. Okay, perfect. So I'll put that link as well. If you send that to me, I'll put that on my uh, mine. All right. Well, again, love you and love your books. And I can't wait for more. So thank you, Michelle. Thank you so much. It's been, it's been good fun. <laughs> Have a question for Lori and want to be on the next News from the Heart show? Drop us a line via instant feedback at bmajor.org. News from the Heart is brought to you by Intuitive Soul and is produced by Major Radio for Clear Channel's iHeartRadio and bmajor.org. 